Just like that, the second hour is here for Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. Hutton and Withrow with you. Glad you're with us on this NFL Draft Day. Tonight, the first round, 31 picks. Not 32 because Miami was stripped of theirs for tampering. Inviting Tom Brady on the yacht. Yeah. The old yacht. The old yacht. The yeah. uh, the stripping of the pick because of the <laughs> stripping that took place on that yacht. A couple of headlines from uh, the draft just through today. Jalen Carter says he's going to be off the board if he even falls to the Philadelphia Eagles at 10. The Eagles will draft him at 10. That's what he said on site in Kansas City. Meanwhile, at 3, uh, Diana Rossini among those reporting that the Arizona Cardinals are mulling over several different offers from teams looking to jump up to number three ahead of Indianapolis. And it's thought that the Titans are among those teams that have put in a call trying to set up something with Monty Ossonforth, the new general manager at, at Arizona. And Ed Warder per, per, points out, and it's, it is intriguing, you've got potentially, if the Titans make the trade, you have three teams from the AFC South all needing franchise quarterbacks, and Houston could pass on one, followed by Tennessee and Indianapolis taking quarterbacks at two, three, and four, depending on how everything falls. Well, and the team that needs it the least <laughs> I know. would be the one drafting first in that scenario. Well, but point being, the Titans, because they would take the first quarterback the first off the quarterback, board if yeah. the Texans didn't. So they need one the least of those three, but yet they would be taking the first quarterback that off mean, the board there. That would mean Tannehill's getting moved this weekend, right? I would think so. I don't, I don't think you're trading up to three to sit a guy. I would hope not. Again, well, like I it, mean, maybe it's I, like... I would a, add Ryan Tannehill into the list of players that could be traded this weekend. Maybe it's like a, not a redshirt year, but like a, a soft opening for a restaurant. Yeah, but... but in, Where they could come in whenever during the season, you still have Tannehill. The, the thought is, though, you would trade up for C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud does not need a redshirt year. You would agree? Yes. If you're trading up for him, Tannehill's getting moved this weekend. At least that's, in theory, what would happen if the Titans make the move with Arizona. We have Trey Wallace coming up in about 15 minutes. Covers the SEC for OutKick. Looking forward to discussing the SEC talent in the draft tonight, plus the headlines from the Southeastern Conference. Later in today's show, in about an hour and 15 minutes from now, Josh Heifel, head coach of the Tennessee Volunteers, he has coached or coached against four of the potential five quarterbacks that will be selected in tonight's first round. We had our mock draft about a month ago, was it? Three, four weeks ago, our top 10. And we said it's going to change a lot. We have our final mock, the hot mic mock. And Chad, get us started with your top 10 on your mock on how you feel like tonight unfolds across the board as we get things going with Carolina. Well, we'll, we'll start very simple, very easy. Okay. We'll pull the Band-Aid off this thing. No one's going to get hurt because Bryce Young is the number one pick tonight for the Carolina Panthers. Betting markets show us that everyone believes it's going to happen. I think he's the best quarterback available Bryce Young, number one overall to the Carolina Panthers. No need to spend a ton of time on that one. Number two, I do not have the Texans taking a quarterback. John McClain compels me. I had them taking a quarterback. We talked to McClain yesterday. Wow. I trust the man so much. I sent Tyler a text. I said, take my quarterback off the board. Do you want to announce this in McClain's voice? And get, 
oh, well, well, the Texans going to go after the best available player. <laughs> and the best available player in this draft, Jonathan, is a guy by the name of Tyree Wilson. Wow. He's from Texas Tech in Lubbock. Tyree West Wilson. Texas kid. <laughs> There's no way to do the John McClain voice. The cough is on point, by the way, with and John not, as well. Not, not cough also. Tyree in, in Wilson, by the, the way, Chad, coming off of the fractured foot, and he had surgery back in, what, November? Yes. The reports are Houston has cleared him medically. So it makes sense of the direction you went there, too. Look, I, I, I'll be lying if I said I, I studied this guy all year at Texas Tech, uh, but I have read a lot about him. Mm-hmm in this draft process, and he seems like the guy that maybe has even more of the tangible qualities you want in an edge over who I think is going to go third overall, and that is my pick for the Arizona Cardinals, Will Anderson out of Alabama. I think Will Anderson Hutton has gotten kind of a bad rap here because he was one of the most steady guys. There's few celebrity defensive players in college football. He was one of them at Alabama. But I think he's just a really good football player. He's what you want in an edge rusher. I don't think Arizona, what I'm saying here is I'm banking on Arizona, not getting the deal they want for someone to move up to number three, and they're not going to pass on what at this point will be the best available defensive player in Will Anderson. I don't understand the debate of Will Anderson does not live up to expectations when it comes to the NFL level. I, I, extremely consistent. You know, if you want to point to the the games against in, in Knoxville and the, the previous year in Alabama, yeah, but that that's all that's helping out other players for their draft process more than it to me hurts Will Anderson and his overall performance through his college football season. Should have been a Heisman finalist, not last season, but the year prior. And when he comes back and he's held to that standard, that's a high standard to meet, even at Alabama. And the, the argument for me is, oh, uh, that I hear a lot, uh, Tyree Wilson did it at a smaller program, and you know he's proving that he's you know, ready for the NFL. Will Anderson's already proven he's ready for the NFL, and he did it as a sophomore. So I, I, I draft Will Anderson if I'm Arizona, and I don't think twice about it in regards to uh, what I'm getting in return for a top five pick off the edge. And I'm, doing, I'm saying all this with the pretense of, I don't have an offer that's worthy of taking and passing on Will Anderson from a team wanting to climb and get a quarterback. And if we're going to deduct points away from a player who played with a great surrounding cast, like they are with C.J. Stroud, a lot of people are because he had great receivers. I also have to add points to a player that was always the focal point of the opposing offense. Will Anderson's a guy that you game-planned around at Alabama, and he had a lot of great, talented defensive guys around him. So for that reason... I got Will Anderson. I think he's very good. And I think it's going to be a good pick for Arizona at number three. Chad, which quarterback is going to Indy? Anthony Richardson from Florida. Uh, Shane Steichen and what he wants to do and what he showed he can do with Jalen Hurts, I think this is the perfect fit. Hutton, we were listening to something earlier today where they were talking about Anthony Richardson and the comparison was to Jalen Hurts. And I think the line was, you know, Jalen Hurts, but better. And I thought to myself, well, maybe Jalen Hurts, but not as productive mm. because we're forgetting that Jalen Hurts had a great year at Oklahoma after he transferred from Alabama. Richardson does not have the level of production or consistency to be compared with Jalen Hurts at all. Not, not even not talking about NFL yet. I'm saying college career. 
does not have what Jalen Hurts had. But what he does have is an enormously high ceiling. And what the Eagles showed they could get out of Jalen Hurts as a second-round pick, I think the new Colts coach, Shane Steichen, saying, hey, I can get the same, if not better, out of Anthony Richardson. He is the number four pick in my book. Number five, this is a team that I feel like with the Seahawks does not care as much about character concern. Mm. And for that reason, they're going to take the best defensive player in this Ah. draft if it wasn't for character concerns. Jalen Carter is going to Seattle. Many have him pegged to go to the Lions at pick number six. I think this is too good of a player for Pete Carroll and company to pass on. Jalen Carter of Georgia going off the board at number five. So he won't have to worry about the Eagles taking him at, at 10 if he drops that far. Pick number six, my first probably big surprise on this board, Lucas Van Ness, edge rusher from Iowa. This dude just screams Dan Campbell, (laughs) Detroit Lions player. And when you watch the way he plays, he plays with an edge, pun intended, but he plays a little bit dirty for an edge. It's not quite as clean and pretty coming off the edge as Tyree Wilson and Will Anderson but there's something about Lucas Van Ness that says, this guy will bite some kneecaps. And that's what Dan Campbell wants. Lucas Van Ness from Iowa, a surprise. I like him too. High pick. He's going to be a top 15 pick, I think, yes. in the draft. Yep. But a surprise going that early. Lucas Van Ness, sixth overall uh, to the Detroit Lions. Number seven, our guy. We've trumpeted this guy the whole time through the draft process. I'm kidding. Dun, 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 dun. It's Will Levis from Kentucky. Off the board. Raiders get a quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, not a long-term option for the Raiders. This will give them someone they can develop and the next quarterback for Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels, oh, by the way, a guy I do not believe in right now as a head coach. For that reason, perfect pairing with a quarterback (laughs) I absolutely have no faith or belief in in Will Levis. I think it's a match made in heaven or hell depending on the way you want to look at that pick for the Raiders. Three quarterbacks on your top ten so far. Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. And there's one notable omission, and that's going to be remedied right now. Number eight to the Falcons. They keep saying they like Desmond Ritter. I don't believe them. C.J. Stroud. This will be the surprise quarterback pairing of the night. Arthur Smith, great with play action. I think C.J. Stroud could thrive in that Atlanta Falcons offense. Arthur Smith, also a very, very smart man who knows if you've got a quarterback high on your board and I feel like he would have C.J. Stroud very high on his board and he falls to number eight and this is a potential franchise-saving type quarterback, you take that quarterback. I think the Falcons aren't going to mess around with whatever they believe in with Desmond Ritter. They're going to go get the quarterback. If C.J. Stroud is there at number eight, the Atlanta Falcons take him. It's a bold pick, Hutton, but one that I really like for the Falcons and that offense. Yeah, and, and Chad's doing this without making trades. There would be trades up to draft C.J. Stroud in this mock top 10 because the defensive players would fall back. You could trade back and still get the defensive player hypothetically that you want. Point being, though, I'm with you. C.J. Stroud's on the board here. Arthur Smith is drafting C.J. Stroud for the type of offense that they can run and the receiving weapons that they have viewed through the run. And that's all fair, but Stroud takes them to another level. Something that we didn't see from Mariota that we have not seen yet from Desmond Ritter. 
and a, a different level and a category altogether when comparing the two quarterbacks. I'm high on, on C.J. Stroud, and I don't know why we're seeing the discussion that we have based on where the consensus was a month ago and what the consensus is being thought of now on the, the day of the NFL draft. Draft C.J. Stroud immediately if you're Atlanta here. Totally. And I love that pick for Atlanta. And again, I, I'm not putting a bunch of trades into this, but Hutton, you're right. If there's a team out there that's quarterback needy, they're going to jump ahead of some of these defensive players yes. and draft C.J. Stroud. But if he's there at number eight, I'd love that pick for the Falcons. Pick number nine, the Chicago Bears. Previously the number one pick. They trade back with the, the Panthers. I do believe the Bears believe in Justin Fields. I'm not buying it with the Falcons and Desmond Renner. I believe that. And if they believe in Justin Fields, they got to get him some protection. They got to get him some help. No better person than Paris Johnson from Ohio State at offensive tackle to draft for the Bears. I think Paris Johnson will be the first offensive lineman off the board. And finally, pick number 10. Probably a little high for running back, but I think he's by far the best in this draft. Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson makes an already explosive offense that much better for the defending NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles. I've got the running back going off the board at number 10 to the Eagles, and I believe that's a guy who can absolutely destroy defenses in the NFL, especially early in his career, and he can do so with that Eagles offense. And a great team gets better all the discussion about what they do out of the backfield it's a no-brainer there uh my mock is going to be somewhat different but at the top number one overall for me Bryce Young is going to be selected by the Carolina Panthers the new franchise quarterback out of Alabama number two with the Houston Texans I'm not buying the idea that you can pass on a quarterback at second overall if you're Houston I can understand if you want to make the argument that they're out on C.J. Stroud, that's fine. But I'm not buying that they're going defense. They're drafting a quarterback. And the Houston Texans are taking Will Levis, number two overall, out of Kentucky. Chad, there, there has been a buzz about Will Levis for nine, ten months now that he's the prototypical NFL quarterback. A lot of people, including us, are hating on the production, saying... He's good, not great. And I still buy that. But those around the league are telling those covering the league and the talking heads on ESPN tonight, Will Levis has everything that you want in a makeup of a quarterback. Overlook the interceptions. Overlook who he was playing against and look at who he's playing with on the offensive line and wide receiver. I think there are more teams that love this guy than what we are led to believe. And Houston is taking Will Levis, not because they're down on C.J. Stroud. I think the new offensive coordinator comes in and says, this is the guy we want to build our offense around. Call me crazy, but I'm not crazy for suggesting that the Texans are taking a quarterback. And if I'm them, I'm taking C.J. Stroud. Sounds like they're not. And as of yesterday, the odds on favorite for the number two overall selection was Will Levis out in Las Vegas. I'm taking Will Levis, number two, to Houston. Do you agree to, or disagree based on the line of thinking that you've got to take quarterback? I agree that an organization that went for two in the win in week 18 to lose the number one overall pick would also be dumb enough to take Will Levis over these other well, quarterbacks. Well, that coach that called that play is, is, is gone. getting fired. Yeah, but he was part of the organization that made that move. Uh, Nick Casario, 
Armando Salguero said it does strike me as a smartest man in the room type complex. If that's the case, I guess Will Levis does make sense. I think the guy's got some raw materials to be a, a good uh, NFL quarterback. I don't think great. I don't, I don't think he's ever going to be great. But he has the raw materials to be a good NFL quarterback. Um, I mean, I, I guess I buy it. I could also see this thing playing out where the Texans truly just hate all these quarterbacks. Then they decide to pass and essentially tank again this year with Davis Mills at quarterback and go back at it again next year. That sounds crazy to me, but what also sounds crazy to me is drafting Will Levis, number two overall. So why not? Let's get let's get crazy. Got to take QB when you're drafting this high. And D'Amico Ryans isn't turning down Denver to go tank in Houston um, and signing up for that, at least initially. At least I, I would hope not. Uh, number three, I am mocking a trade here because if I'm the Indianapolis Colts, I am jumping up one spot to guarantee that no one is trading up to draft C.J. Stroud. Indianapolis at pick three in my mock with a trade, just one spot, is drafting C.J. Stroud as their next franchise quarterback. Arizona moves back one spot, and they still get the defensive player, the top one on their board. Will Anderson is who I'm going with here. I'm keeping it simple for Arizona. Go with the player for the best defensive front that produced over the last two years and comes in with all the accolades and the motivation that, hey, people are saying you're not that good. He's been great. I don't know why you don't invest in that. Tyree Wilson is right there as well. And I debated Jalen Carter here for Seattle. But I think, see, I think Seattle jumps in and says, Tyree Wilson is the next big-time pass rusher off the edge, and it's time for us to get after the quarterbacks in our division. They need to overhaul a lot of places up front on their defensive line. Tyree Wilson helps them do that immediately. And there falls Jalen Carter to the Detroit Lions at number six. I think this is the perfect landing spot for him. Chad, you want to talk about motivation or lack thereof? Does he love the game? Are there off-the-field concerns? Put him in that locker room and put him with that head coach and Dan Campbell? I think they flourish up front. And oh, by the way, you're pairing him with Aiden Hutchinson, who you got number two overall last year. I, I think it's a perfect matchup for what Detroit wants to do and what they're building defensively. I think it's a great matchup of personality of head coach of building organization and of enormous man and enormous talent <laughs> in Jalen Carter. I think it's a great recipe for a delicious pie of defensive success for the Detroit Lions. Now I would like to know what this other part of the character concern is mm. and it, not just Armando's hinted at this, but there's something else, not just the, the car racing, not just the weight gain, but something else with Jalen Carter I would hope that good GMs will have done their research on this and would know what that may be. But I know what I see when I watch him play, and he is a game wrecker. He's a difference maker. Uh, I like that pick a lot, and that's exactly the type of guy that Dan Campbell wants on that Detroit Lions team. Let me also throw out, if Seattle goes Carter at five, Bijan Robinson is in play for Detroit at number six. Just keep that in mind. I, I thought about taking him here. But I think Carter is the better fit for what they're doing up front and what they're building with that head coach. Uh, Las Vegas, next on the clock. Christian Gonzalez, top corner. They need to overhaul that spot. They need more than depth. They need elite man coverage on the outside. I'm taking the Oregon 
corner by way of Colorado. He is uh, staying out west. He's playing for the Raiders next season in my mock draft. Atlanta is going defense. I considered B. John Robinson here as well. But Miles Murphy has great, uh, has the ability to have great upside out of Clemson. And many around the league believe he's a type of defensive end that can get you 8 to 12 sacks per season. 12 on the high side, double digits. And he's going to be right there on the fringe of a double-digit year on a down-end year for them. They have to get better up front in Atlanta. Miles Murphy provides that, and I think it fits their defense. Right behind them with Chicago. Chad, I like him too. Lucas Van Ness. Uh, Chicago trades down. They get better up front. And Van Ness played 30% of his snaps on the inside at defensive tackle for Iowa last year. Uh, rest of the time was from the defensive end spot. The Bears pick up a, a solid pass rusher there. Van Ness from the state of Illinois also. There you go. Hometown. Yeah. And at number 10, you and I are thinking the same way. If B. John Robinson's available for the Eagles, the Eagles are drafting B. John Robinson. Because Super Bowl contenders draft top athletes and players just like B. John Robinson. And we share three team player matchups where we got them the same. Bryce Young, Bryce Young Will Anderson, the Cardinals. You had in a trade, then B. John Robinson. Not bad. And now... The mocks will end, and the real draft begins. And also, as of right now, from Ian Rappaport, Go ahead. Ravens and star quarterback Lamar Jackson have made progress on a mega deal. It's not done, but Baltimore looks to keep their star, and Lamar should get paid. That from Ian Rappaport. And Baltimore needs to know, because they need to know what to do in the draft for purposes of, is Lamar going to show up and play? That's the other part of this. Trey Wallace is about to join us. The very latest from the SEC. More than just headlines, the SEC players in tonight's first round. That's next on Hot Mike. The Ravens and Lamar Jackson have agreed to terms on a mega deal. That, according to Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter also chimes in and says that they're working through language, but Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens have come to an agreement on a contract. And Pro Football Talk is saying it will have a traditional quarterback structure on the deal. As soon as details come out on the deal, we'll jump in and transition straight into that because this now sets the bar for Joe Burrow and we will compare it to what Jalen Hurts just received as well and what Lamar Jackson wanted compared to what he's about to receive. But a mega deal sounds steep. It sounds mega to mega. me. That's right. It sounds, it sounds big. Uh, big coverage through the SEC comes from Trey Wallace at outkick.com and Plenty of SEC headlines tonight in the NFL draft, but a big one on the gridiron down in Tuscaloosa, Chad. Trey, always good to have you on. And we've got a new quarterback at Alabama, Tyler Buckner, coming down from Notre Dame. That didn't take long uh, to reunite with Tommy Reese. What what do you make of the situation now in that quarterback room in Tuscaloosa? Hey, good to join you guys as always. And by the way, I just got a smiley face emoji from the quarterbacks coach for the Baltimore mm. Ravens. Uh, so he seems excited uh, for the new deal. Nice. Uh, listen, Alabama 
they needed a quarterback, Chad. And, and you came out of spring practice. You came out of the workouts in the winter. Um, look, Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow, they just weren't up to the level of Alabama satisfactory. And 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 by the way, it's Tommy Reese as well who's worked, you know, with Tyler at Notre Dame. This is not like he's walking into a new situation besides Nick Saban. You know, that's the big difference. But you look at this, and you and they came out of spring practice, and 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 their big, you know, problem that they had was, and I said this weeks ago, they don't have any veteran experience in that locker room. And when you don't have a veteran player in that locker room, Chad, you know, you you don't have direction. You know, it's guys that have been in the program for a year or so. They don't really know college football too well. You know, Jalen Milrow started a game, played in some last year. But let's be honest, you know, he, he doesn't have three to four years of experience like Bama usually has in that locker room. So they needed a guy. And then they went out and got Tyler Buckner, and we're about to find out if he's going to be the starting quarterback at Alabama. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this, in talking with a couple people this morning, you know, they didn't bring him down there to sit there in a quarterback room and give a pep talk to these young kids. He he is in Tuscaloosa right now to, to be the starting quarterback, to fight for that starting quarterback job and be the guy come, you know, the season opener. So it is um, – I, I I wouldn't call it shocking to me because I thought that they would go out and get a quarterback. Um, and you had to look at the market, and you had to see who was out there. And we saw the rumors of Tyler Van Dyke. What was that, like a week ago? I think we were having that discussion. And look where we're at now. Bama's got themselves a new quarterback in Tuscaloosa. Could we see one of the two there move? Hit the portal. You know, that's the interesting part of this, Jonathan, is if Jalen Milrow and, and Ty Simpson, do they decide to move on or they decide to stick with it and battle for this job? I think right now, you know, you, the, college football players are in a, in a tricky spot as well. They have got till April 31st to enter the transfer portal. Now, they do not have to find a home before April 31st, but you have to enter the portal. So have your name in it. Then you can spend the summer, if you want to, looking around and trying to find a new place to play. I think right now we're sitting here, what, guys? We're three and a half days from that deadline. I I don't see one of them hopping in. I see them as competitors, and they're, and they're going to fight through it. Um, but if they – and here's the, the kicker to this. If they don't go into the transfer portal, they will not be able to have that opportunity until next December. And and that's a long ways away. So it's either one of these guys is is not going to be the the starter, and they're going to put together some practice film for four and a half five months, uh, or or they're going to just decide to okay, I don't want to hurt myself. Let me move away from the team. I'll enter myself in the portal in December, and then we'll go from there. So there, it's a it's going to be an interesting three and a half days until we get to that last one of the spring portal period. I think the latest number with Deion Sanders players defecting uh, Colorado's 55. Uh, is it possible for him to add 55 transfers in? They've added a few since all those guys left here in the last couple of days, one of them being a player from Tennessee, I noticed, to Colorado. Uh, but yep. can they get that number at least over 40 so they can field a football team this year? What do you think, Trey? <laughs> I mean, Chad, the problem is, like, you've got spots. And by the way, if, if folks don't know, um, times have changed when it comes to rules. So if a player leaves, you can add to the roster with that player. 
So if they have 40 players leave, they can add 40 players, 50 players, 50 players, 10, 10. I think they're in a spot right now. Chad, there's not 40 players out there right now that deserve to be Division I starters. But I think what we've got a problem, Dion does, and he won't call it a problem. He'll call it an opportunity. Uh, you don't have any depth. You got to have depth, man. You got to have second and third stringers that you can bang up on on practice. You know, guys you can go up against. It's not just scout team players. They need guys that can rotate in on third down when their first string is worn out. That's the problem. Now, I'm not worried about what Deion Sanders is going to do with his first string defensive line or his first string offensive line of wide receivers. I'm worried about what what's going to happen when USC rolls into town. And they're going every, you know, the pace is crazy. They don't have any depth. And then Colorado gets up blown out. That's where I worry about Colorado. So I look at this situation and this, I call it a problem uh, right now, that they don't have, in my opinion, enough depth at the defensive line spot. And that's what's going to cause them trouble. I mean, if you look at the numbers, there are 10 players. Well, now it's one, two, three. I think I think it's 14 players, if I'm not mistaken, that it's left over from the 2022 roster. Think about that for a minute. From last year's team, there's anywhere between 10, and the numbers have changed so much, 10 to 20 players left over from last year's team. It's mind-blowing, and I know it freaks some people out in college football, and it's shocking a lot of people right now. But Deion Sanders has a plan, and we're going to find out if that plan works because if it doesn't, he will be gone in three years. That's the simple fact out of all of this. Plenty of SEC storylines in the first round tonight, Trey. Um, yeah, Chad and I were discussing Will Levis. We've been doing it for a while, but prior to the show, Ugh. the conversation that Levis had with Peyton, Chad, and the, the Manning Passing Academy and everything that took place there about the marketing angle versus, hey, why don't you – try being good at quarterback. Yeah, he asked for advice on building his brand, and Peyton Manning essentially said, worry about being good at football. That's how that's how you, you build yeah. your brand. Um, just another, I don't know if that's a red flag, if I'd call it that, but it's just, there's just something off, Trey. There's something off, and I've <sighs> thought it for a while, and I see it once again. Chad, I remember having a conversation with you guys uh, three weeks into the season where people started talking about Will Levis as a top five draft pick. And I thought, who the hell are you guys watching? What yeah. is this? Where, where, where are we going with this? What are you talking about? And I think we look at this situation right now with Will Levis. I still think that. I went back last night and I watched about an hour's worth of footage of Will Levis. And I, I, you know, I'm not a coach. I'm not a scout. I can't break down film or whatnot. But I sit there and watched him. And I thought to myself, can this guy – be the organization's leader for 10 to 15 years. I, I don't see it. I, and, and, and it's not, look, this is not a shot at Will Levis. I'm just looking at it overall in general. I don't think Anthony Richardson can be a guy that can lead an organization for 10 years. I, I just don't. I think there's only a minute guy, a number of quarterbacks in this draft that can lead organizations like the Colts or the Texans or whoever else you want to throw in there, lead them 10 years from now, 12 years from now, and be that guy. We are long past the days of, you know, Andrew Lux being around a, a, an organization for a long time or Peyton Manning being around an organization for a long time. You know, 
this is going to be very tricky for me. Somebody's going to take a chance. I had one NFL assistant coach, you know, actually two of them this morning. And I asked him, I said, you know, what's the conversation like in the, in the room when it comes to quarterbacks? And, and, and they're like, they're going to take a chance on a guy when in, in past years, you've had quarterbacks where you really haven't had to maybe take a chance or that argument that it's been in the room. Well, this can work out or this couldn't work out. This is just going to be one of them things. We don't have a surefire guy. So it, it kind of blows my mind a bit that we're sitting here talking about it, Levis, um, in the first round. But somebody sees something in that arm and his body built and the way he handles himself uh, on the field, I, I don't know. We'll see if it works out. I, I don't see it happening, and maybe I'll eat crow one day. Well, there's no real, really no questions about Jalen Carter on the field, Trey, but there are questions right. about him off the field. So where do those off-field questions push him down in the draft if they do so at all? You know, Chad, I mean, it's 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 difficult to me to 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 try to break down the whole incident that happened that night. You know, when he was speed racing um, with with Chandler Lacroix, uh, where where she passed away, unfortunately, and Devin Willock passed away, unfortunately, um, with Jalen Carter. You know, it's probably enough on his mind that he was a part of it. You know, in a sense, I think when you're an NFL team, you know, there are certain things you can look past. Um, I think we're, we're going to see that in the draft. There's a lot of stuff about draftees right now that the public doesn't know about that these teams do. Um, that could be, you know, getting pulled over by the cops, but you got left off because you were a football player. There, there's a number of different things when I mean by that. I think with Jalen Carter, we we lost that he lost that momentum for about two weeks. And now we don't I haven't heard much out of the NFL in regards to okay, well, this is holding him back. And then you had his agent come out and say, you know, well, he's not taking meetings outside the top 10. Like they're very confident. And and I think when you look at Jalen Carter, he is a dominant football player. He will be a force to be reckoned with on defense in the NFL. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. My only doubt is off-field decisions. And hopefully the young man has learned from that tragic incident from that night. You can only hope. You don't know. You can only hope. But, you know, does one mistake need to, to categorize a human being for the rest of his life? Uh, I Everybody deserves second chances. We're about to find out tonight what that second chance really looks like. Trey, you've got Jake Crane on the Trey Wallace podcast this week, available at outkick.com. Tell us what uh, the topics are this week. Yeah, we had a great time, man. We we went back and forth on the Deion Sanders situation, the quarterback spot at Georgia, which I think is going to Carson Beck. I don't think there's any argument. I don't think Brent, uh, Brock Vandergriff is going to be the guy. Um, he's going to stick around, but he's not the guy. Uh, and, and then we got into the transfer portal a little bit and NIL. Uh, NIL is kind of leveling off, guys. We're, we're starting to see that number kind of hit that deadline. It's not, you know, going up and down or anything like that right now on these big contracts. You know, they're, they're not being offered as frequent as in the past because these boosters uh, are freaking out when it comes to return on investment. So a lot of things going on right now in college football, the NFL draft tonight, you guys are going to be covering it and you guys do a hell of a job. And uh, I look forward to watching the, the rest of the show as we get closer. And the only thing I would say, I want to leave it at this. The only thing I'd say, 
Why in the world are they starting the draft at 8 o'clock? This is not the NBA Finals. Would you please start it at 7 or I can be in bed by 1030? It's the beauty that's of living in the central time zone, uh, Trey. It starts at 7 for us. That's, that's the beauty yeah. of the central time zone, my friend. Look, we'll see how things go over the next couple months. Maybe I'll get back to that beautiful central time zone you guys live in. There you go. Appreciate you as always, man. Great coverage. Guys, have a great weekend. Thank you. Yep, same to you. Trey Wallace there. Again, tra- check out the Trey Wallace podcast available now at outkick.com. Uh, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens have agreed to a five-year extension. No details yet on the numbers, except for Ian Rappaport saying he's going to make him the highest paid player in the NFL. That would put him over Jalen Hurts. The details, though, come down to the guaranteed money, which is what has the dis- that's been the discussion. It's yep. not going to be if he's going to get $500 million on a sheet, how much of that is guaranteed. That's yet to be released. What it does do is free up some cap room for them where they are now in the mix for DeAndre Hopkins in a potential trade. That is also being looped into all of this. We'll discuss that. Plus, Davey Hudson joins us when we return. We get weird, including a Monopoly sword fight, which sounds like something Chad would do it's the name on of his a, own. It's the name of a great new prog rock band, I think, also. Monopoly sword fight. That's coming up on Hot Mike. Today, April 27th, day of the NFL draft, it was March 27th when Lamar Jackson made it known that he wanted to be traded. Wow. One month later, he reportedly gets a five-year extension with the Baltimore Ravens, a mega deal, according to Ian Rappaport. Details have yet to be released other than he's the new highest-paid player in NFL history. We will continue to monitor that because I want to see where it compares to the guaranteed money that he turned down last August. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow continues. Davey Hudson joins us as well as we get weird. Let's get weird! Let's get weird! Weird! Get weird! Weird! Get weird! Hello, guys. I hope What's we're up? doing well today. Doing well. We're going well. to ease into this one just okay. to start off. Okay, oh, so okay. nothing nothing too over the top, but we do have a new world record when it comes to push-ups. An Australian man by the name is Lucas Helmke, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. He set the world record for push-ups at 3,206 within a one-hour time frame. Now, we do have video. I, got, I want you guys just to see this real quick. Okay. I have an issue with the form, and they are 3, counting this. 3,000. 206 And he's doing them barefoot also. I'm counting. That was more of like a half rep, if you ask me. But again, we're just easing into this. So it's, you know what? He gets to claim the record. Guinness was there. They counted it. Guinness is counting this as a full push-up, right? Yes. Then it's a full push-up. So we're looking at... um, I was surprised to see the guy's size. Like, I was expecting to see someone very small, very wiry, that could do this with, like, short arms. And that guy's okay. in good shape, but I was expecting someone in just such spectacular shape that it would just amaze you to see them. That's what surprised me about it. That number's also huge, so good for him. I mean, that's incredible just to have that stamina to be able to go that long. He did tell uh, Guinness that it took him about two and a half years to build up the physical strength to be able to accomplish that. And he said he did it because he wanted to inspire his one-year-old son by showing him that nothing's impossible. But the kid's one, so he's not going to remember this, which is pretty dumb. That he's one day like, he's going to show the video like, to his kid. Like, yeah. hey, look at your dad when I was in my prime. 
Look at your father right here with all these push-ups. That's and, what the kid's going to know. And some guy's probably going to break it between now and then anyway because there was another Australian who set the record last April. Then this guy comes along in November and breaks it. So. Australia's like the new Florida when it comes to weirdness. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, well, um, we'll we're just going to go – Go ahead and dive on in right now. So Let me hear about the sword fight. Yes, we have a Monopoly game in Brussels, and it ended with two guys hospitalized because a katana <laughs> ended up being brought out. This story just gets weirder and weirder as we go. This did happen earlier this month, but some four guys, I believe they were homeless. I haven't got <laughs> clarification on this. We're playing Monopoly at 5 a.m. in Brussels. It ended, it ended up waking up this dad... And he and his son decided to get into a verbal altercation, at which point the son decided to bring out his katana, which if you don't know, it's basically a samurai sword. Uh, I think the feudal Japan era, and uh, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So they continue Watch to the get... last samurai with Tom Cruise, if you're confused. There you, there you go. Mortal, They're all over that movie. Mortal Kombat, maybe. So, uh, I mean, like, it's, just, it's weird why you're playing a game of Monopoly at 5 a.m. to begin with, and then the fact you get so loud, I'm sure they were drunk... I mean, this is just, this is Belgium at its finest. And so we get to the point to where eventually what happened was one of the guys that was playing, I believe, grabbed the sword and it had the sheath on it at that point. He ended up damaging the sheath. And so then when the son tried to get the sword out of the sheath, he cut him like one of the homeless guys and then cut himself. So he actually was very close to damaging an artery that could have been like Life-threatening. Life-threatening. So the homeless guys were playing Monopoly or the son yeah, and father? The, the homeless guys were playing Monopoly on the sidewalk, and they got so loud okay. they woke up the father and the son. There's a lot to unpack here. A, this is the it's worst. Like printers out. This is like the mo- least efficient homeless activity you could have. All the money, the paper money, everything outdoors, homeless, playing Monopoly. There's homeless people around the studio. Have you ever Hutton witnessed one of them playing Monopoly no, against someone else? I, I mean, I haven't seen anyone play Monopoly in decades. I've seen them roll dice up against a, a brick wall. Yeah, I've not seen them play Monopoly in a katana. I feel like yeah. Belgium would be a place for like an old-fashioned sword, <laughs> not a katana. I mean, lots to unpack. You would think if they're playing Monopoly, they'd be well enough with their money to not be homeless. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. Well. That's a good Playing one. Playing to the death. I mean, that's... We've, we've gone to Australia yeah. and we've gone to Belgium. Where are we going next, Davey? Guys, we're going to end in India. Went to India last time, Chad, with the uh, guy that found the fungal uh, infection that had actually uh, been able to be passed on to a human, kind of going back to The Last of yeah, Us. Yeah. But, I mean, this story, I, just the headline says it all. You can see it on your screen. But we had an Indian man, 82-year-old, he was killed by a flying cow. And you might be wondering Explain. how that happened. So, 82-year-old Indian man, I'm going to butcher his name, but I'm going to try to do it just in honor of him. Don't. Shivadal Sharma. <laughs> All right? Yeah. Yes. Perfect. Man was urinating. You the accent right. He was urinating on a uh, train track, which I guess is common practice yeah. out there. When a high-speed train hit a cow, the cow went flying 100 feet through the air and landed on this guy and killed him. This is this is like I know what you did last summer, or I still yeah, know what you did last yes. summer type stuff. Yeah, people are going to start dying in the strangest way possible. Yes. I just Flying can't. Down. What did that I man? I was thinking tornado. What did Shavar Smyrna do last summer? Is the question to deserve this? That would be the question. He's been retired for twenty two years, but I got to say, like, if you're eighty two years old and that's how you go out, props off to you, man. Like man. that's that's like it sucks, but at the same time, it's like. 
it was just meant to be. And the article said a portion of the cow, so I'm imagining this thing got like split in two as it's as it's flying through the air. So another guy was narrowly able to miss being hit, it's and he made it. Better but, than um, getting shivved over a Monopoly game. R.I.P. Mr. Sharma. Much better. Yeah, much better. Hey, good job, uh, David. Not Monopoly money with what Lamar Jackson's receiving. Details are being reported about the guaranteed money that he's just signed with the contract extension with Baltimore. Details next on Hot Mike.